I'm Tatiana Antonelia Beya, founder of Goombook, and you're listening to Forward Talks, Conversations That Matter. As we come out of COP28, I'm excited to share a latest think tank that took place during day 13 of the conference at the Slovenia Pavilion. This think tank is part of our Take a Breath campaign in partnership with Telfast and Sanofi. The goal of this campaign is to raise awareness and drive action on indoor air quality, aligning with the UAE Air Quality Agenda 2031. We were joined by Angie Lorena sanchez Pina from the Ministry of Climate Change and Environment, May Daoud, Sustainability Lead for EMEA and China Region at Sanofi, and our amazing panelists, Dr. Diana Francis from Khalifa University, Oriol Tejido, advisor with the World Health Organization and associate director at Ricardo, and engineer Abdulaziz Gaffer, senior safety engineer of, for indoor air quality with Dubai Municipality. They shared their insights, best practices, and some of the initiatives on the way to improve indoor air quality across the country. We kicked off with Angie Lorena sanchez Pina, who is the air quality specialist within the Ministry of Climate Change and Environment, who shared more about the Air Quality Agenda 2031. Air pollution is one of the top two environmental risks for this country. So this meant that it was put up in the agenda of the country. And at that time, we uh, started working around a national direction for air pollution management. So the strategy was defined with the vision of enhance the quality of life of people. That's the ultimate goal. And for and we raised, we put it into four uh, focus areas. Outdoor, which is the traditional one, but we also started touching indoor air quality because we really needed to start looking at how to reduce the exposure of the people. So the first task, task series that we all come together and we try to figure it out in the UAE who is going to lead this. The other two tasks are linked to what is possible to do at the moment and it's through the issue of standards. And the last one, the favorite one, is awareness. The one that uh, you guys are bringing up today. Because a lot of these things don't happen just because people don't know. But these awareness that bring action. For this type of action, there is one advantage that indoor quality has, and is that here you don't depend on global movement. For indoor pollution, you have it in your hands. And this is why this campaign that Gombuk is running, the tech break, is so special, because it really helps to put this awareness out there. And so kudos to you. This is where we are very keen to support it, because we feel that you have managed to create like an ecosystem, bringing so many actors that usually won't be involved. So you have people from the medical sector, the education, the government, the uh, older stakeholders, the students, the schools, people that usually you will never have put together. And maybe this is what we actually need to do something effective. So we're really looking forward to see what learnings come from there that can actually be replicated or like leverage into the, the the government also well good for the congratulations to the stakeholders because it's like a pioneering move so i hope that in that note you enjoy the conversations today these are very open spaces to exchange ideas don't be shy enjoy and i wish you a fruitful discussion thank you angie under the umbrella of take a breath 
Gloombook partnered with Sanofi to run a school study during the 2023-2024 academic year. We selected 41 primary year classrooms across the UAE to collect data on the indoor air quality, both before and after solutions implementation, and help create a benchmark to inform best practices. Lama Saleh, Program Development and Partnership Senior Manager at Gumbuk, who leads Take a Breath, shared more about the study. So we started an in-depth study in 10 UAE-based schools within this academic year. So what are we doing in schools? First, we are understanding the indoor air environment, the different pollutants that reside, establishing baselines um, to understand where to work up from. Second, we will be intervening with a series of affordable, low-cost solutions that uh, we test sequentially and see how they, they, they do in terms of uh, efficiency. Then we establish guidelines, and this is where we, from these findings, establish best practices that are then compiled in a white paper, and from there to support national efforts as well. So uh, we have results from a benchmarking report that was uh, that basically ran through October, and we found that all of the schools in the UAE have um, fine inhalable particles, PM 2.5, above circulating above the stated limit levels um, and these are particulate particulate matter that most likely come from our outdoor environments through exhaust uh, uh, car exhaust smoke and be carried long distances because of the transboundary effects of climate change as well but good news is we were also able to improve on these par parameters so starting in november we started implementing a few solutions and what we were able to find is that the VOC levels, when we shifted to uh, non-toxic nature-based cleaning products, we were able to reduce VOC levels by 33%. And when we, sh when we added the air purifier, we were able to bring down the PM 2.5 by 10.6%. Our school study and the Take a Breath campaign have been made possible through our partnership with Sanofi. May Daoud, sustainability lead for EMEA and China at Sanofi, shares how they are translating their commitment to community impact within their own organization through KPIs. One of those big KPIs which brings us to take a breath is the impact, positive impact that we can have on communities, which is to hit 5 million by 2030, where we can substantially give proof from NGOs that we work with, like Gumbook and otherwise, where we submit it in a non-financial report to investors, shareholders, consumers, governments. And to navigate a bit more of what Angie mentioned, we also discovered coincidentally that Sanofi had done a run a white paper just this last summer where they just published it, where they have written proof of how environment and health are forever interlinked. So I can read to you some excerpts from that. It's a white paper called the, the Health Resilience to Environmental Change. And they basically mentioned, and I quote, healthy planetary ecosystems cannot be without healthy people. To tackle the global threat of climate change on health and environment and human health must be treated as an integrated system. And this can be summarized in a triple planetary crisis. First is pollution, second climate change, and three is biodiversity loss. And they also came to the conclusion that uh, Tatiana already mentioned about the 9 million premature deaths globally behind pollution. 92% of that are coming from vulnerable communities. So we're talking about 
uh, low income, middle income uh, countries. So what we would call the underprivileged. So the privileged need to help the underprivileged. So that's again why corporations have no option but to engage because they're generating enough of an income to help in these uh, aspects. So even as a healthcare business, we are we need to figure out a way to make healthcare and products more accessible to people where it's not super premium. The same applies here when it comes to sustainability initiatives. It has to be solutions that work. And I'm so glad that we had that conversation because then we're not telling people to change their HVAC, right? <laughs> we're asking them to work with what they've got and to improve those aspects very well. Thank you so much, May. It is uh, it is incredible to find like-minded people and also for us to drive these campaigns. It's always been about partnerships and uh, the level of, of partnerships is incredible. And uh, you really enable us to, to drive action. I would like now to introduce you to our panelists. Um, I'm very happy to have with us Dr. Diana Francis from Khalifa University and also head, lab of, head of the Angels Lab. Uh, we have Oriol Tejido, uh, advisor at uh, WHO and air quality and climate change at Ricardo. And we have engineer Abdulaziz Jaffer, Abdul Wahab, senior safety engineer, uh, health and safety department at Dubai Municipality. Thank you very much. Let's start with you, Dr. Diana. So the Environmental and Geophysical Sciences, so NGOs, lab at Khalifa University, focuses on studying climate and atmospheric sciences at local, regional, and global scales to support science-based strategies for stakeholders and gov governmental entities in addressing climate change and related environmental challenges. So there is a wealth, wealth of information presented on air pollution, climate change, uh, specifically, what I saw was air quality forecasts and uh, throughout the years also, that was really interesting. And the onset of sand and dust storms spreading air pollution across multiple geographic locations. So my first question to you would be, could you describe past trends and recent research findings to draw a picture on linkages between indoor air quality and climate change? So uh, the particulate matter that is coming from natural resources are actually uh, less than they used to be in the past, um, which is understandable because we are covering more surface with, uh, you know, uh, materials that are uh, that will suppress the, the dust emissions. Uh, however, uh, the um, particulate matter that are coming from outside the country uh, haven't changed in the last uh, in the last years. So, in our work, we try actually to assess the contribution from the local sources versus uh, the transport that is coming from outside because we cannot stop pollutants or um, or anything in the atmosphere at the borders. So, a lot of um, the pollution that is here actually and because the UAE is located downwind of all the countries around the Gulf and, uh, and the uh, Northern Arabian Peninsula so a lot of uh, uh, the concentrations that we found here there's a lot of contribution from uh, what is actually emitted and being transported to to our region and we, we've done one uh, actually study with uh, with Oriol during COVID when you know the level of air pollution locally were uh, really low in terms of um, NOx and uh, ozone because, you know, the traffic was stopped, everyone was working from home. Uh, but during this period of lockdown, the particulate matter did not actually decrease, they increased. And when we looked into the cause of this, we found that uh, this was coming from outside the country. 
moving now to to Oriol. So you've been working together on, on different projects. You used to work at uh, Environment Agency Abu Dhabi. You now moved to Ricardo and you're an advisor at World Health Organization. So what is the scale of the challenge posed by indoor air quality on, on public health? And what impact would climate action have in this context? According to the WHO statistics, 99% of us, we breathe unsafe air. And we talk about indoor air quality. It means there are 3.2 million deaths attributable to poor air quality. And 237,000 children under five years old. So the scale is big. The problem is here. We have been suffering for years, but we are on the right direction. I think that the first thing that we have to know is what are the causes so we can address the solutions. So in the case of uh, indoor air quality, we have two main causes. One is the indoor air pollutants that are uh, produced inside. And the, the biggest one, when we talk about all the world, is cooking with fuels like wood and uh, coal, but also uh, burning other things, as you mentioned, candles, incense, or other rituals that we use for sometimes for religious or for well-being. The second one is tobacco smoking. The third one uh, also was mentioned before is day-to-day, -day, um, the using of day-to-day -day chemicals in our life. Chemicals are here. They are very good in many things, but many of them, they may emit volatile organic compounds, which can have bad uh, impacts in, in our health. And the last one I wanted to mention today, because we're talking about schools also, is the dust resuspension. So we heard uh, Dr. Diana was explaining and, and also Lama explaining about the PM2.5 that we have. So the dust settles in the ground when there are kids running around, this goes up in the air. So we have to think also in solutions to solve uh, that. And also we have to think the solutions accordingly because maybe in some countries it will be good to open the windows to, to ventilate, in other ones maybe not, or in other ones maybe some parts of the year here, some parts of the year uh, no. So these are the two main sources of indoor air pollution. And the last thing I think it's important to mention is the exposure. Exposure is a critical term. Exposure is a product of how long we are inhaling a certain concentration of pollution. And we can have two extremes. One extreme, we are uh, next to a very busy road. Uh, if you are in a very, very busy road, usually you will not live there, so you are crossing. So maybe you are for five minutes exposed to very high concentration, so that will have some health impacts. But also you can have the opposite. Sometimes you can be exposed to very low levels, but for a long period of time, and this is what happens with indoor air quality, and that's why it's very important that we improve it in our homes, in our office, in our schools, in our nurseries. Uh, these are places where it's very, very important. I would love for you, I don't know if uh, Dr. Diana or Yol, you would like to, to explain what PMs are, because I don't know here in the room if everyone has this kind of knowledge. For me, it was quite new what particular matter are and why are we talking about 1, 2.5? Uh, so PMs are uh, abbreviation of particulate matters and then the numbers that will come after, they will indicate the size of the diameter of 
the particle, okay? So if we say PM10, uh, mean 10 is 10 micrometer, so meaning the diameter of is 10 micrometer of the particle, and they become more, more dangerous as we add, they get smaller. So if we mention, for instance, PM2.5, meaning these are very small, why they are dangerous? Because they can actually uh, go inside the, uh, the system very, very deep and reach the lungs. Uh, and even now, uh, as scientists, we are even studying the ultra-fine particles. So these are uh, at PM uh, 0.1 uh, micrometers. Uh, they are found to be actually very, very dangerous because they can uh, stay in the uh, deep in the lungs. And uh, for our uh, for our uh, organisms, they are uh, strange, uh, and uh, they cannot they cannot be actually evacuated anymore. So they they damage the tissues in the in the lungs on the long term. Um, I would like to bring Engineer Abdulaziz Natus to the discussion. Um, we understand the global challenge and also the national directive, but we wish to hear on local application from a municipal level what is being done to improve indoor air quality within Dubai. And um, we understand that Dubai municipality has multiple projects across schools and other buildings. What has been the impact of some of these projects and what are some of the best practices achieved? Just we found, uh, just in uh, these studies, okay, we found uh, like uh, more than 40% okay, of the problems of indoor air quality. It is based on uh, normal operations. For example, just I will give you just one example. Okay, just each school, it has like uh, ventilation system and, indoor, uh, and uh, uh, air conditioning systems. Okay, we found that sometimes, you know, uh, the management teams, you know, they are closing the uh, the ventilation system in terms of the cost, you know, to reduce the cost, okay? And as you know, the students, you know, sometimes they are uh, spending more than sometimes seven hours inside the schools. That is means the uh, pollutants increasing, the exposure, you know, limit, okay, to be just above the exposure limit, okay, of that uh, term. We have published in 2021, I think in November, okay, a new uh, uh, code of Dubai Building Code. Okay, just we have uh, section 10. This one is only related to uh, indoor environments. Okay, we reflect all that result, okay, to provide all these things, okay, that it will make uh, the indoor air environment, it is good. What is interesting to, to learn is that the, all these years of monitoring through different buildings is, is leading hopefully also to some regulation and, and policy in the, in the built environment and, and this is very, very hopeful. Um, Oriol, on, from you uh, and through your role at uh, Ricardo specifically, which is an environmental consultancy with solutions uh, built on sustainable technological innovation, we would like to turn the focus uh, to the role of technology and, and specifically innovation. What role does technology for you play to address indoor air quality and, and scaling hopefully also climate action? Following on what I tried to explain in my first intervention, first is to know what's the cause of the problem. We have to get the data of what's going on and, and, and sometimes it can be something as simple uh, as schedule uh, routine or, or automatic um, ventilation, you know, or, or other systems. So the first one for me is monitoring. Then there are also other methods. So I will ex explain an example that I worked when I was uh, in Barcelona. We were worried because also the schools were usually very near to the very high highways. And this is because the schools or urban planning has been focusing on mobility more than other items. 
but of course now we know that it has implications on the air quality. So what we did at that time was to do air quality modeling, similar to what also Dr. Diana does, no? to do a mapping uh, of air pollution around the city, then identify two things, the existing schools, what is the pollution that they are getting, and second, identify also areas of cleaner air where urban planners would recommend a school to be placed in that area. So by design, you are already placing them in a low emission, lower, lowest emission area. So you are solving the problem before facing it. You can do even further. You can design not only where that school is located, but how the buildings are built. And with that one, I will mean if you have a road here, you can decide to have the windows facing this direction or the windows facing the other direction. This uh, architecture design can change forever the students that will be uh, there. So by going back to your uh, question, technology can help us in monitoring, in designing, and of course also in improving the air quality inside. And here I'm really looking forward to see the results of the study and see which are the best tools that we, that we have for, for UAE specifically. Let me go back to uh, Dr. Diana. Um, what about future predictions? Um, the region is said to be heating up exponentially at double the world average as a, as a result of climate change. I think we saw that in 2050 we should reach 60 degrees Celsius, if I'm not mistaken. So exacerbating uh, droughts and desertification. More effective adaptation to the changing weather will be required across the region. Improving indoor air quality then becomes about adapting to climate consequences. So my question is, what is the role of academia in facilitating action and transforming the quality of the air we breathe? I think education is really central to our lives, whether it's uh, early stage or schools or later in universities. We, we have uh, a course that is called Grand Challenges, uh, where actually we uh, explain to them what are the sustainability goals of the uh, United Nations and each of these goals will touch on one of these problematics, including air quality and climate change. Uh, and they will have also a project to, uh, to delve deep into these um, um, uh, problematics and provide solutions, whether, whether it is scientific solutions or uh, engineering solutions, meaning that they will build a prototype maybe to, to clean the air or to clean the water, depending on the goal they will choose. Uh, so education is really key because uh, these are nucleus of you know information. Then they will go to their families, they will go to their networks, and they will communicate about the the subject. And actually, in Khalifa University, we do have a special uh, award for uh, we call it risky uh, ideas, risky uh, research. So faculty they can be awarded this uh, certain amount of money just to actually uh, search into a very unusual questions to uh, problematics. Uh, and this is very important because um, uh, when we actually do this, we are not really following you know, the mainstream, but maybe sometimes you want to test idea and uh, it can lead to a major breakthrough and uh, 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 fi findings. 
from Dubai municipality point of view, I mean, you've been really uh, collecting data for a long time. Uh, you've been looking at private sector buildings, public uh, buildings, schools. So from your point of view, uh, what are we looking at in terms of next steps? Uh, in terms of uh, planning, actually, just now we are doing uh, some study just regarding to upgrading the old building. Because as you know, uh, Dubai, it has a lot of old building, which is, it doesn't have, you know, the systems, you know, of, you know, requirement of indoor quality. Because, you know, for example, the buildings, the old buildings, which it doesn't have any uh, ventilation system, it will be very difficult, you know, to maintain the indoor air quality. Some some uh, some pollutants in just we can improve it and manage it, you know, by you know uh, by some technologies, okay. But you know the other things maybe just we need ventilation to to change, you know, the air inside in the building. This one we already uh, work on it, okay. Just uh, the final uh, the final uh, uh, report of that study it will be uh, maybe release it in. Uh, uh, in Jan January uh, 2024, okay. According to that study, okay, we will we will had you know we will have uh, like uh, executive uh, order, okay, from uh, from uh, you know uh, from the council of you know the executive council of Dubai of the government of Dubai regarding you know uh, these old buildings, okay. And also just uh, uh, actually now also just we we are studying also in the future okay to uh, to have like uh, uh, indoor air quality you know a committee <laughs> actually this one it will be like you know uh, a partnership you know with uh, private sectors and government entities okay and some uh, uh, technologies uh, companies okay those people and, and some consultant also who 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 already you know uh, like uh, uh, care you know or specialize in indoor environments okay those all people, you know, they will be the core of that committee. Okay, they will did uh, all the research to be from from that uh, body, and also and even if there is you know policies, new policies, okay, to be linked, you know, with the research center, like for example, uh, you know, the universities, you know, because universities they have already uh, research centers. Okay, uh, all all of that things, okay, just will be just in uh, in the future, maybe just will be coming soon. We then open up the floor to the audience for a Q&A session with our panel. Dr. Diana started off the conversation by talking about the impact on indoor air quality of a widespread regional and societal practice, the burning of incense sticks. One old study about indoor air quality, I, I think this is the only one before the one that you are running now in schools, uh, that ran maybe for a few weeks uh, in, uh, in the UAE. And they found actually that uh, the main contributor to uh, particulate matters indoor are the incense, the burning of incense. And here really we touch on something that is cultural. And uh, I don't know how it will be easy, you know, to change uh, behavior in this in this sense because something uh, I was mentioning to my students this and uh, one of the students told me that uh, my mom will kill me if I ask her to not to uh, burn incense in my home every day. Yeah, hi, my name is Rukhaya Mohammed. I'm the manager for air quality and nuisance at the Environment Agency Abu Dhabi. Welcome. Um, <laughs> I know Aurel and Dr. Diana. Um, in 2009, the Environment Agency uh, did a study, actually an epidemiologic study, um, with other local government entities and the federal government entities. And one of the uh, areas 
that was investigated was about incense burning. And of course, there's a lot of cultural sensitivities uh, around it. And uh, we actually put devices in homes to measure um, air pollutants uh, from PM10, PM2.5, ultrafine uh, particulates, and we had uh, continuous measurements. And we could see uh, during the day, it's actually it's twice a day that incense is burned, you could see how the um, particulates arose as um, incense is burnt, as vacuum cleaning, that's another source of, uh, of uh, fine dust. And also um, apartments that um, were above places with shisha, we could see like a tenfold increase in, uh, in pollution. And I'm happy that that was one of the aspects that the government took care of immediately and moved all shisha places away from apartment buildings. But you're absolutely right. So the sense, in terms of the sensitivities around, uh, or rather cultural sensibilities around incense, um, one of the things that uh, we advised was there are so many different types of charcoal and some of the briquettes are made out of plastic, actually. So that is a, a bigger source of uh, pollution than even the actual incense in itself. So it was kind of like a multi-pronged approach to make sure you, the less of evils, you buy better charcoal. Um, and also uh, there are different um, qualities of incense and some are much more quote unquote polluting than others. But this is information that was put out there. If you have children who have uh, asthma or other respiratory illnesses, you have to take the incense burning into consideration, whether you're going to change where you burn it in the house or burn it when the child is not around, but something had to be done. Could, could we think about burning incense on the terrace or next to an open window instead of closed rooms? And maybe do we have anyone here who use actually Anu? Uh, Anurada, do you want to contribute maybe? I today have chronic allergic bronchitis. So in a situation where there's poor indoor air quality, I immediately react. I think my team is very familiar with it. I cough nonstop to the point of, I mean, um, a collapse. Um, so incense burning, I mean, uh, the incense sticks we burn, we don't burn them on charcoal and they're all chemical. Uh, the air filter helps significantly, but also changes in terms of the, the cleaning material we use. I mean, all of that makes a difference. But for incense, I found that if you use, for example, sage, sage leaves or Palo Santo, I mean, those actually don't affect me as much as um, as a, a chemical incense stick would. But again, with open windows, with open doors and allowing that ventilation to take place makes a difference and I it doesn't trigger me immediately. So I, kn I know that that works. And I think it's not just what we burn in houses, but it's also, if you know, if you take it to the next level, is the composition of the material that we have in houses. So whether it is actually the paint that is used for furniture, you know, whether it is, you know, candles, of course, are as bad as insert or worse because of the components, you know, but everything that is in the house actually emits a chemical product that actually gets stored in the house. So it's really way beyond just what we burn but it's everything that is in the house. Yeah, completely. And even, for example, carpets, they, they have also, when we buy a new carpet and we, we open it, we, we smell. This is the VOCs that are in the air. And this is where the governments have the, the, the strongest uh, part to play. Uh, there are many, and I think Angie was already explaining that the UAE is already going on that direction and setting the specifications to be low emission paints, low emission uh, carpets, low emission furniture. So 
that can be done. And I know that this is already ongoing and many products in the market are already on, on that direction. Uh, some, you know, uh, lab test just it has been done for, for each, you know, carpet just uh, that is coming through uh, some uh, like uh, a port of uh, Dubai only. Okay, just he has to do some tests. Okay, and the level of VOCs, especially formaldehyde, it should be just within the limit. If it is not, that is mean he has to cancel this uh, product to be entered to uh, Dubai here. So in terms of that one, also just we put in our guidelines, in, in our guidelines, and also in our uh, new uh, Dubai building code. Okay, which is be it will be you know published just soon. Okay, uh, the carpet it will be just uh, forbidden just in school. It will not use it at school in all. Okay, it is not allowed to school to use any carpet. Just, uh, uh, just, just he can use some uh, some uh, mat. Okay, but also just mat. Okay, should be just also tested according to to the Bay Municipal just laboratories. I would also like to bring in uh, Solida to the conversation. Solida is part of our team, and um, she lived for a few years in Thailand, and when she came back to the UAE her reaction was like why in thailand our kids have to wear a mask to go to school and here no yes uh, i spent two years in in bangkok uh, pre-covid in uh, all the classes in the schools they they were purifiers and the and the and the and the teachers they were very um, happy to introduce the children and say they are coming come in the, the 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 light on the air purifier is green so you can come in okay let's come in and um and then we used to receive messages from the, the schools uh, today we cannot uh, take the children outside because the uh, air, um, the, the 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 level of the pollution is very high so the children they are going to play indoor and even in the apartments you can find very easily uh, air purifiers everywhere in the living room, in the bedrooms, and it's very normal to have air purifiers and everywhere. You can find, you can buy in the shops and secondhand as well. This one, uh, I think, just it, it one of our goal. Okay, in uh, in our agenda, just uh, in uh, for uh, for two thousand thirty. Okay, this one because just we already published, you know, the uh, air quality index for, for for outdoor. This index, okay, just it will, of course, it will has like uh, you know uh, color codes. Okay, this color codes, okay, it will be released by the message. Okay, this message is be just published in in websites. It will be published in uh, uh, you know like just uh, in any media of like you know, just will be just uh, available for. For anyone to know exactly this time is good for, for, for example, just I want to go to the sport, for example, running to jogging, for example, outside. Yes, I have to talk, uh, I have to check on you know, this website. Okay, is it good for running now or not? Like this one, this one uh, I don't know exactly it is going to happen, but uh, f according to my vision, maybe two years. <laughs> It's going because uh, we started now to publish you know, the, the air quality index now. I think it's it's already happening. Uh, we are on the way. Maybe we need a little bit more of our awareness, but uh, Environment Agency Abu Dhabi, I know that they are publishing also the air quality on real time. Now Ricardo is working also with the Environment Agency. Uh, it was a la launch uh, two days ago, I think, in COP to do this air quality modeling, the forecasting that will allow to have that, as, as you said very well, the weather forecasting, the initiative that you are leading, I think it's very helpful. I think it comes in the right time because as you said, also the ministry mentioned before, 
this was already released now. I know that Abu Dhabi and Dubai, as we heard also, they're putting a lot of efforts in indoor air quality. So uh, again, I will repeat myself, but I think it's the moment to empower the people to do these little actions that everyone can do. I think also in general in the UAE, we are very conscious of well-being and wellness. Uh, we do a lot of sports. And of course, all the sporty people really look at the uh, air quality before going out and cycling for two hours or running because they realize that when the air is not good, they come back, they're exhausted. So do you see, for example, through all the, the research you're doing and understanding where the UAE pollution comes, if you identify the source, do you see the government trying to invest maybe in and in, in, cooperate from a diplomatic point of view with the, the country at source to understand how they can support them, maybe stopping burning, uh, start using better technologies, um, better engines for their... So I, I don't know what kind of, of, of pollution is coming to the UAE right now, but is it possible to work diplomatically at that level on air? I think it is possible, and this is the way to, to go about it, uh, because, you know, this is something that has to be uh, handled at a regional, uh, regional scale. Maybe it can be on the agenda of COP29. <laughs> I, I wanted to highlight uh, one topic. I, I think it's, it's important for me. It's also, we talk about um, air pollution that affects our health, but I wanted to highlight also that there are many, many studies that show that impact also our mental health. So it has been proven that schools that have uh, poor air quality, the kids have poorer marks and they have poorer development. So I think that this is something very important also to, to explain again to the parents, because it's when we have this moment of awareness and we all want our kids to be the smartest in, in, the, in the class. Very true. And I would like to make the link to another campaign we, we launched a few years ago, Drop It, related to single-use plastics. Uh, it's a campaign where we've always highlighted the role of, uh, of microplastics in, uh, in relation to human health. But it's always been about consumption of plastic. So how microplastic end up on our plates. And a very recent study, uh, quite shocking, was showing that we are inhaling microplastics as well. So this study was showing how we inhale a credit card uh, of plastic per week. Uh, just to make the link uh, to, to not only uh, microparticles, um, PMs or dust, but plastics, again, to reiterate the problem we have. So there's such... So many links uh, to all the different environmental and, and, and human issues we have around, they're all linked together. And it's something where it's great to be here at COP and to be able to talk about environmental issues, but also uh, social issues and, and, and how these impact humans. I noticed that in the summer here, because of humidity, the air quality seems to be way worse than it is in the winter. So in the winter, we get to see blue skies. In the summer, we never see blue skies. But you also mentioned something interesting, that sometimes pollution or, or humidity actually helps in terms of the emissions that get put out there. You know, is it something that we can do to improve the air quality in the summer? And is it really way worse or is it just optical? No, it's actually uh, really, the real, yeah, this is the real, the real situation. In, in summer here, it's uh, very uh, polluted because of the level of humidities. 
Uh, and because also of uh, some low winds, so the, the transport of pollutant outside the country is actually reduced as well. So uh, indeed, it's a very difficult situation in summer uh, because in addition to extreme temperature, uh, high level of humidity, meaning the, the human body will support all this plus high level of uh, pollutant. Regarding actually the uh, high humidity, uh, actually, the, you know, the humidity here, you know, uh, it is not only uh, outside, it is high, actually. <laughs> actually, you know, uh, according to our studies also, okay, I think more than uh, uh, 50, 56 percent, okay, of the, of the, un, you know, un, uh, uh, ungood un, or uh, poor uh, uh, indoor air quality just uh, uh, inside the building, it, it was, you know, very high humidity, you know, it is more than uh, 40, uh, it is uh, higher than 70%, uh, okay, and sometimes uh, uh, relative humidity is more than 80% uh, sometimes, okay, and that is, it will cause, of course, you know, the mold issue, as you know, uh, because, you know, uh, the problem here just in uh, in all of UAE, okay, in, uh, in, in the built environment, just the indoor environment, okay, it is not only, you know, the VOCs or the particles, or, no, actually, I think, you know, more uh, the pollutant, you know, uh, if uh, if just if we uh, look at the grass just, just in like uh, percentage, okay, more than uh, more than 51 percent, okay, of pollutant just inside, uh, for example, just around to be here, okay. It is uh, a biological issue, like mold issue. Okay, I think uh, out of out of uh, of ten uh, house, okay, it has two house. It is already contaminated by by mold issue, and that is a problem. Okay, I think uh, I think you know the humidity is not problem for for only outside. Also inside, it is very important. Okay, to uh, to you know to uh, to mandate you know this one okay to uh, um, to uh, to maintain it okay within the level okay that is not cause the problem just indoor and i think at this point it's very clear that the more data information we're able to share is really going to be able to move the needle and hopefully reach a point where we have the right regulations and policies in place for the built environment but also for behavior change within the community Thank you for joining us today and we hope our discussion provided insights and solutions to improving our indoor air quality here in the UAE and in the region. This episode was brought to you by Gumbuk in partnership with Telfast and Sanofi. You can find out more and how to get involved at gumbuk.com where you can also find all our episodes including our special series on COP28. I'm Tatiana Antonelli Abeya, and this episode was produced by Lama Saleh, Nicola Lee, and Shirak Disey. See you again soon. Thank you.